0: Something came from boxing box came from box
1: Today is a very exciting day, especially for me, where something came from Baltimore is a jazz, news and R and B podcast. But I do have a sister podcast called "The Beatles Come to America," where we count down all the U.S. albums in order. And I, my co-host is Brooke Hoppen, who's wrote tons of books. He's not available today to talk, so I get a chance to, to dig into my Yoko isms. I'm very pro-Yoko. There, she just hit her 90th birthday on February 18, 1933. So she's 90 years old. And we have a brand new book that came out. And we have a, a someone here who is extremely knowledgeable on her Yokoisms. And as I'm talking to her, she's really extremely knowledgeable about everything. So in this interview, I'm going to introduce her soon. We're going to talk about the top 10 songs that, that I really love. That shows a wide variety of who Yoko is. We're going to talk about some things about the, the some of the albums that are really hot. Madeline Buccaro, welcome to Something Came From Baltimore and The Beatles Come to America. Thank you so much. The the book that you just wrote is In Your Mind, The Infinite Universe of Yoko Ono. So I'm very excited about Yoko. I'm, we're going to talk about her ability to be garde and, and disco diva and also how creative she is. And we're going to talk about the top ten Songs that really work for me, her her, massive career. first song that I really like is the 22-minute epic called John and Yoko from the Wedding Album. It's from October 20, 1969, so the Beatles were still in existence. And it's basically them screaming John and Yoko. Now, we're going to play a little sample of it. We're not going to do the 22 minutes. But what I love about it is I love to torture my friends and i'll send this link to him <laughs> understand that that i'm way into it so that we always have a laugh
0: yo go yo yo go yo Yoko
1: yo go yo Yoko go What was your thoughts on this song, if it it called a song?
0: So I loved it. Of course, it came out in when I was a kid in 1969. I was 11, but this was normal to me because I did followed everything that John and Yoko did, and you know the only other artists I liked was the Beatles, and that they were always changing and they, they never did anything like this. But it was just John and Yoko to me, and I don't know if you want me to tell you what. The backgrounds of it before or after you play it. but Definitely. Let's do it. Okay, so that was recorded at Abbey Road Studios and John felt that the cup, their a- amplified heartbeats which are going, throbbing through the whole piece, that it, they assimilate the sounds of ap- African tribal drumming. And this track is a takeoff on a comedy bit um, by this American comedian, um, Stan Freeberg. It was called John and Marsha and they you know, pretty much called names out. Um, but Yoko speaks about it. It's like a sidelong symphony of two people in love. So this is what she said. We're screaming, John, Yoko, but I think that's music. That's how I formalized it. The heartbeat is the beat of rock, right? So we put our own heartbeats there as the beat of the music. And it starts with a kind of pianissimo and goes on to crescendo and approaches largo. And then it goes into a faster rhythm and then a big fortissimo kind of thing. We just did it right. I, and then most people just ignored the form, the musical form. They said we were just screaming.
1: I love it. And I don't understand why it's a blueprint for a an avant-garde piece or a dance piece. You know, they, they've taken pieces of... Uh, Yoko Ono's songs many times over, created really interesting songs from it. In my mind, this is a song waiting to be created. When I listen to it, I always think, oh, how can we like do this? Like, How could this like turn into a, a new song? Now, my opinion of this is the first three albums that came out with John and Yoko maybe didn't service them well to debut who she is, because, you know, obviously John's super proud of Yoko. Loved, loved her work, loved her creativity. But, I mean, now that we can look back at it, the first three albums scared people. <laughs> and like, it wasn't really what they were expecting, and also people were paying money. That, that was something that kind of, like, you know, set the tone as to like, here is Yoko.
0: John broke free of the Beatles. He wanted to go as far as possible, and he pushed, you know, the envelope.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? That's... Uh, ex- if you're gonna cut ties, you know, putting your penis out and on an album cover and going with Yoko and doing your thing, it's definitely a good way to, 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 to break ties. I would have said that in a marketing sense, maybe they would have held off on these three albums and then really debut her on the Plastic Ono oh Band album, which I think is fantastic. And also ask for a new cut for Let It Be movie because they didn't really develop her as who she is. You just had these random shots of her in the background. And I mean, as we saw the the new edit, there was a story there. There was a love story with her and John. And there was also the fact that she was actually assisting in some ways in the development of this material. and people were like, "Oh, that's what she was doing." Okay, that's cool. Why couldn't that happen at the first time? Like why couldn't that happen on the first movie?
0: That was the narrative at the time yeah. to tell lies about her and make her look as bad as possible.
1: It's not fair. It's not fair and it, it really it's unfortunate. I wish they could have looked at it and said, "Okay, we're going to recut this." <laughs> The Cheshire Cat slowly smiles to us Cheshire Cat Cheshire Cat, Cheshire Cat. The river is drying So we're going to go to my number nine track which is uh, Cheshire Cat Cry. It's uh, Take Me to the Land of Hell from 2013. And what I love about this is that it is everything. It is an anti-war song. It is an uh, anti-violence song. It is... Yoko doing her Yokoisms. It's a dance track. And in the background, in my mind, uh, the guitar of uh, fame, like I can almost hear that they're even sampling like the, that to a degree. So it's extremely creative. A lot of her more later work, because she was avant av- garde to begin with, can be interpreted in so many ways that are so creative and sounds so current, fresh, and exciting. So this is one of those songs to me that I was like, I can never get sick of this song.
0: No, there was a great performance of that on David Letterman in 2013 when it came out and um, with the Plastic Ono bands, which Sean renamed and reformed, and uh, The Flaming Lips. The funny thing was, after the performance, David Letterman goes off to Yoko and he says, oh, it's always fun when you leave the theater humming the songs from the show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a great start. In the morning, my, my hand, hand caught in fear. midsummer
0: some maneuver, my heart shakes.
1: Number 8 Midsummer New York which is from the Fly album it was from 1971 so this is early this is like kind of the companion to Imagine so when Imagine was being created Fly was kind of being re- uh, created too I believe this was uh, played on the Mike Douglas show for that week what I love it about it it's Yoko doing Elvis period that's it and it's fantastic. Nails it, and then she does her own embellishment, but as all the songs that, that she's done, this is the biggest tribute to Elvis that I'm aware
0: of. Yeah, it's a great one. It's kind of got the phrasing of Heartbreak Hotel, and um, there was a prototype for this that was on her first solo album. Well, uh, the sessions for her solo album, which didn't get put on there, and it was a, uh, song in Japanese, it was Omaino Okawa, and it's Slow Blues, which is really the, the blueprint for this whole thing. And her description of the song is, um, it's about the deep insecurity that I have in me, that I associate with my life in New York before I met John. I always wanted to make a song that used the word shaking with a double meaning, as I discovered the use of the word in rock in 1968. There were two takes of this song, and there's a Japan-only bonus track on her 2018 album, Warzone. And it's the second version that we've not heard from the Fly album, it's so good.
1: Number seven is the B side of uh, everyone's song that they know is uh, happy Christmas. The war is over. It's uh mm-hmm. listen, the snow is falling. I was six years old. This 45 came out. So when you were a kid, you play the A side and B side, no matter what it is. Like Ooh, I'm right. a big meat city guy, just stuff that you get into because you just only have limited choices. And this was actually uh listen, the snow is falling to me is my song. That's, that's my christmas song. So when i hear it, it's very early yoko and it actually shows you her range really early in her career. You're like it's one fire.
0: of her earliest songs she showed it to John and he said let's do it and uh she say, she was always connected with snow. It's this pre- images of snow are in a lot of her songs. And i think her voice and her music when it's a ballad has the same kind of effect of a snowy day, you know, slowing down our minds and blanketing the world in sort of a silent serenity and she always says like just before the snow I feel something that sort of elevates me in a way and I know it's coming so that's just a beautiful imagery and then she actually um told the piano guy to say to play as if the snow is falling on your fingertips and she always gave that kind of direction she didn't give notes she would just say you know play like the wind on, on the back of a frog or so that, And there's a Celeste on there and an electric piano is kind of doctored and she has a um, sound effect on there. That's kind of feet walking through snow and a strong wind that's layered on each other. So that's really beautiful.
1: We talk about Yoko, the way that she talks. It's really interesting. Like uh, I had this whole little section about like in the avant-garde period, like in that sixties, time period even the 50s in my opinion it had like a a queer overtone it was dark and it was inclusive like it was an inside joke you know it was like you need to kind of figure out what we're talking about and Mm -hmm. i'm talking about like burroughs and ginsburg and warhol and and john jenay like they were you know counterculture kind of stuff Mm -hmm. with yoko she's like the first person that i'm aware that was opposite that where she was lighthearted at times and her messages were inclusive for everyone it was about peace and also you were allowed to laugh you know you were allowed to she encouraged it like a zen
0: riddle in a way she presents something you can interpret it but you can laugh and you know she was just very simple and direct you know she didn't write lengthy diatribes about anything and she just made kind of like something for you to finish and take the meaning on as what it means to you and 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 show you that you have an inner, po- inner power, and show you that your subconscious is really the most important thing in your life.
1: Yeah, that is completely a double take. From when we think avant-garde, that is the opposite of what was was out there at the time. Plus, like now, if you look at it, she kind of opened the door for like Laurie Anderson, who used multimedia as just the way that she does. She does allow the the audience to think and to laugh and to breathe and to open their minds and and say, okay, well, I don't get this, but I'm going to move right on. and I'm going to have a good time doing it. It's it's different. And then I, you know, doing a little research, I was like, oh yeah, she, she mentioned that being a a Japanese woman, you're traditionally very subservient, you're quiet, docile, where she wasn't, she was more outspoken, obviously Mm -hmm. she had a creative mindset. And I think when, when you're talking about, uh, imagine this, uh, like the snow on the fingers, In my opinion like she spoke with imagination and i kind of blew people away because you know some people are like okay well i have to think what she's saying i think that had a lot to do with the fact that they didn't get her yet but Mm -hmm. but boy people caught up and then the other part about avant-garde jazz i've interviewed many people about avant-garde jazz is the the sound of a horn or a a drum or whatever, it, it, it's expressionistic. Yoko yodel or a groan or noise that she's doing could be interpreted as a, a trumpet or a sax, it's right. a sound. There are some notes I had, I just wanted to get back into the countdown. six i got is every man has a woman mm-hmm. and uh I, I love it on double fantasy which uh, came out in 1980 there's been multiple remixes since then i just think it has a meditative quality about it and it's a dance trap anything on that
0: yeah so that was john was encouraging other artists to do yoko's work, or he was asking her to make that happen and i would rate, well what happened was that song title ended up to being the title of an album of Yoko cover songs. Yoko said, it was always John's intention to make the world aware of my work, but it was hard for him because one, the world was never accepting. And he had a woman who was very proud as an artist. He would suggest like, let's get someone to cover your songs. And I would say, no. And he would say, well, I can cover your songs. And he would say, no, because other people think they're your your songs. And then he would suggest that I dress up in a cheesecake photo and, you know, but I'm a feminist. And I would say, no, why should I do that? So (laughs) to deliver me to the world, he had to tiptoe around my pride and cope with the world's attitudes. It was very difficult. And now I think part of me is feeling guilty that I was so difficult.
1: I think maybe her instincts were correct at the time. Because, yes, I'm a witch is amazing cover album i consider that one of her best and then uh yes i'm a witch too it's just amazing artist uh doing covers uh interpreting her work you know it makes you love it all all over again in a different way because she had 18 number ones <laughs> 19 right. on the dance floor yeah she she had more hits than than a lot of uh dance di- like traditional dance divas mm-hmm. uh, and I well, the works. album
0: actually came out in 1984 and it had Elvis Costello covering Walking on Thin Ice. It had, you know, Roberta Flack, Eddie Money, Roseanne Cash, Harry Nilsson. You know, that was John's kind of unfinished project. And then 20 years later in 2004, um, she remade the song and put out an album in support of same sex marriage. Yeah. You know, so that was really a cool transition. The lake of course it was winter when all this was ice that's a hell of a thing to do you know they say the lake is as big as the ocean I wonder if she knew about it
1: You're talking about Walking Within Ice. I do love the Elvis Costello mix. I love the original. I think it's wild. I can't believe that that's what they were working on when he passed away. Yeah. Because it's so forward-thinking. Uh, There's for also a
0: version that came out on one of her birthdays a few years ago. And it's called the Maestro version mixed by Denny Tanaglia, And it's got strings. It's the most gorgeous thing ever.
1: I would piggyback on that. I love the Pet Shop Boys version also. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, the song just never dies because I loved it when I was a kid. I got that, the 45, um, Elvis Costello version, all the other versions. Digging it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number four is Why, and that's from the Plastic Oh No album. Very first song on the album. And this is where I was like, oh, maybe they should have forgot the first three albums. Debut her on this album, because I love Plastic Ono oh band for John Lennon. Love, love, love. Maybe my top 20 albums of all time. And now I have this sister companion. If you can't get enough of the first album, the same people are just jamming on her album. It's an amazing album, I think. Now, you're an Iggy fan, so I'm going to tell you that when I listen to why I think of the Stooges down in the streets, like I, ah. I feel similar, yeah. And I looked at the dates. So, down on the streets was released on 7 7, 1970. This, this album was released on 12 yeah. 11. Yeah, so I was like, oh, maybe they heard it. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, oh, I, this feels very similar and you can't have enough like kind of grunge metal like that. That's that's really cool. Well, I think
0: it really, um, the the replication of why is by Public Image Limited on Annalisa on their track. That's amazing. It's exactly what you might get. I like to walk.
1: Rest by the wind. Nobody else. Yeah.
0: The sun is down. The sun is down. The sun is down. Third
1: song is The Sun is Down between the head and sky. Actually could be my number one. Like these three songs are very interchangeable. I could totally get into this, a dance track. It's it's techno, and everyone I play it for is a solid fan as, soon as they get it.
0: Yeah, it's a really poppy, cute little thing. Um, So it's on Between My Head and the Sky from 2009. And it was actually, she. Oh, one, another song on that album is called Higa Noboru, which means the sun is rising. And then towards the end, she does The Sun Is Down. So that was just her little play on it.
1: The um, the next song is No, 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 or No, 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 which mm-hmm. is from the Seasons of Glass. That's the album that came out right after John's passing, which has that gun sound and the mm-hmm. screen. I'm a, a fan of that album. I know that people were like, oh, it's too soon. She had to release some of what was the, the pain and sorrow in her heart. And this song is just really awesome. I don't know what... You promised me, you promised me. I don't know what you promised, but I miss you.
0: Yeah, well, that's... The meaning of that line is John, you know, promised her and Sean a lot of things. And now, of course, he couldn't fulfill them. And she insisted on those four gunshots being real, because one of the musicians asked her, you know, we should make it musical, have an instrument play that. And she said, No, no, I want it to be real. So, you know, she's just an authenticity about her. And she's so genuine and honest. And I don't understand any how anyone can do any research on her and misunderstand anything because even John, she and John were just so open and honest. And that was part of their problem in life, you know, is that people shot them down for their honesty.
1: I have a theory that, you know, that reality family TV shows, Osbourne's or whatever. I believe that John really begged for some something like this because he was so proud of her and wanted the world to see what he sees. If a reality and plus he's so funny. And she's funny. Like they're both like really interesting people. I'd watched, you know, an hour or two of them walking around the city. I mean, like, he's brilliant, she's brilliant together. Like that it would have been a high, elevated reality show. In my mind, if he you know he lived and reality shows existed, the Ono family, the Lennon Ono (laughs) family would have existed. And then people would have caught on. Oh, they're great. They're you know, why why aren't they great? Yeah. Uh,
0: About that album, you know, she said my mind was like a shattered glass. Um, and I made myself impossible for anyone to be with. And when she wrote that song, she just juxtaposed atonal and minor chords get me, get me. and the real gunshots and sirens. She says it was not a tea party. No. The food is
1: cold. Eyes are cold. The window's cold. number one is again these reinterpretations of songs i love me give me something that's on the double fantasy album i think it's great i think all her work was great
0: my two worlds collided because you know i'm a sparks girl so that was in um 2010 and it hit number one on the billboard Hot dance club again ron and russell had remixed that and they tripled the length and yoko's vocals are tweaked and a current chorus of russell's multi-tracked voices on there and it morphs this driving rock tune into like a mischievous orchestral waltz like bombastic timpani and brainy orchestrations by ron and it's just so
1: different so we went through my top 10 but we want to talk about your book this book is fantastic obviously everyone's getting excited about it It must make you feel really good uh to, to be a part of this huh
0: yeah well it wasn't even supposed to be a book i had just been writing about her all my life and my boyfriend gave me software and told me to dump all my documents into it and it gave me the ability to organize it and see what i had and then it took me another two years to kind of flesh it out
1: this book is now in the rock and hall of fame uh as a hardback copy it's it's sitting library. in their in their library area which is very cool the cover is amazing
0: The cover is, I saw it online as a greeting card in a shop of an Australian artist online. And I contacted her and I asked her if I could use it. And she was thrilled and she's really happy that it's getting all the recognition. You know, a lot of people are just really loving that cover. It represents Yoko in every era of her life.
1: Your reviews are strong. You're, You're getting acknowledgement from Sean and people who you've cited in the book.
0: Right, yeah. Olivia Harrison posted it on Instagram and uh, Yoko's colleagues and friends, most of all, Dan Richter and Elliot Mintz, they're her closest, you know, longtime friends. And they, they, Elliot called it a masterpiece. Dan Richter loves all the details. And you know, some of the people that worked on her films are enjoying it. It's, it's really reaching the right people, which is good.
1: Uh, in your mind, the, the infinite universe of Yoko Ono, it's uh, Madeline Ocaro. It's awesome to talk to you. I'm uh, so grateful. That you were able to talk to me on something came from baltimore and the beatles come to america
0: thank you so much i appreciate being on i hope we do it again
1: i hope you enjoyed today's episode of something came from baltimore and the beatles come to america and thank you to my guest madeline beccaro the book is called in my mind the infinite universe of yoko ono the show is over and play like snowflakes are falling on your fingers have a great day
0: A bit of and flesh It's not very much, but while it's there You can have it, you can have I'll give you my heartbeat done a bit of tear and flesh It's not very much, but while it's there You can have it, you can have
1: Give me something like that not. Come on, come on